Alright, so we uh, are not going to continue in our series for this week that we've been in called Protecting Our Future. I just want to point to the video of the kids. Many of you may not know that the kids went to kids camp uh, this last week. And so those are the videos from the, from the kids camp in North Louisiana. And I've been uh, there two or three times with my kids when, when they were younger. I think next year Reagan gets to go and so we'll be able to go and have Reagan go to kids camp this next year. Kevin and, and Danielle and their team they had a great team of leaders that went out there. And I think we had 50 kids, maybe something like that, something like that, 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 that went to kids camp. And this is really a great, uh, it's a great camp that goes on there. So to be looking for that if you have kids that uh, I think going into their third grade year up to 11, 12 years old, something like that, uh, look for that next summer for kids camp. So I, um, uh, what day was it? I, I started working on the message week three for our Protecting Our Future series and I started working on Tuesday and Wednesday, and I kind of had about half the message done. And then I went to bed Wednesday night, and I woke up at like 2-ish in the morning, and I had a half portion of Scripture that was just was in my mind when I woke up, and I started quoting it. And I woke up, I sat up, started quoting it over and over again. And then I laid back down, and I woke up Thursday later on in the morning, and that Scripture was just so clear in my thinking, and it was from John chapter 9. So then I went into the office, and I was like, okay, I'm going to start working on finishing my message for this part three, and I just couldn't get any traction. I kept thinking about it. I kept trying to go to it, and I was like, no, I can't. I just feel like I can't really go there, and so I went to that section in John 9. I started reading it and meditating on it, and so I feel like that I'm going to, that the Lord wants me to speak a message from John 9 to us here this morning. So, you know, the Lord, I feel like the Lord woke me up, Gave me the scripture. I went to the scripture and I got a message from God's word. I got a message from the Bible that I think will be important for us to hear today. So to introduce, I've titled the message this morning, Work Work While It Is Day. Work While It Is Day. Would you pray with me before we jump in? Lord, we come before you this morning. And we don't take lightly the privilege of gathering together and hearing your word here today, worshiping together. And Lord, I pray that you would help your people here today. Help us all, God, to receive what it is that you would say to us. Lord, press, press the truth of your words onto our heart deeply so that it will transform the way in which we live our, our, our everyday life. And God, I pray that you would help me to open my mouth to preach your word and to exalt Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you ever had a sense of urgency about something, but that the people that you were with did not share those feelings? Have you ever had a sense of urgency about something, and the people that you were with did not share those feelings? I think some of you had a sense of urgency about coming to church, and the people that you were with did not share those feelings. And it took you a couple of songs to get past the other feelings that you developed while while you were coming to church. Have you ever experienced that? Sense of urgency. And and you have a sense of urgency about something, but the people that are with you don't share it. And so it begins to irritate you and bother you. Why don't they feel the same way that I feel about this situation, about this thing that we're walking through, a thing that we're doing, or a place that we have to go? 
And I think that's very common in all of our lives. And I think it was common for our Lord. When you look through the Gospels, he had a sense of urgency and purpose that he walked with. But his disciples did not share that urgency. Why did they not share the urgency that the, that the, the disciples had, that, that Jesus had? Why did, not, why did the disciples not have that same sense of urgency? Because they didn't understand why Jesus came in the first place. They had a perspective that Jesus came to establish an earthly kingdom and an earthly rule to overthrow Rome, to liberate Israel once and for all, that, the, that he was the Messiah. They believed he was the Messiah, but they had a view of the Messiah that was completely different. They had a view of a Messiah that was a conquering king, not a suffering servant, and most definitely not the Messiah that was going to die. And so Jesus, but Jesus lived with this continual urgency about his father's business, about what he was called to do, what he was here for. And, and in John 9, Jesus, and specifically in this text, this is a, a section of this text is what came up in my heart. And I was meditating on this. And, and, and in, this John, in this section in John 9, Jesus is trying to get his disciples to understand some greater realities. The disciples what they see in front of them is their earthly realities. What they see in front of them are the, are the struggles in their thinking about life. And Jesus is trying to get them to have a higher view and a greater view of kingdom realities. And Jesus is working with an urgency that his disciples didn't even know that they needed. Have you ever been there in your life where you didn't have urgency that you found out later that you needed? The disciples, they found out later why Jesus had an urgency. Jesus continually tries to teach his disciples about kingdom realities. And the disciples continually miss the point. And, 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 and as we get into this section, it, it just, it, it's such a unique section in John 9. Because the disciples encounter a situation that is very difficult to understand from an earthly perspective. And Jesus goes about answering their question that they have for him in a way that could seem exasperating. And so we're going to learn what God is trying to teach his disciples in John 9, the, the first disciples, and how God's word meets us in our world today with the questions that we face. So this, the disciples have a hard question for Jesus. Let's look at it in John 9. It says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, it, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. It's a hard question, is it not? A man born blind a man born blind a baby out of the womb cannot see and they asked the question jesus why did this happen was it his sin or was it his parents sin there's some truths that we're going to look at here today right from this text jesus answers their question he answers their question he answers it we need to answer it in, in a way that I know they wanted to hear or in a way that we want to hear. So what's the first truth that Jesus is trying to teach his disciples? 
The first one is this. This is what I see in this text. Sometimes the answer to earthly suffering cannot be found in earthly reasons. Sometimes the answer to earthly suffering cannot be found in earthly reasons. As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Earthly reason. This is what they're getting at. They're asking the question. They're looking at this man born blind. They're looking at the tragedy of a man from birth. He's been blind his entire life. And they're thinking, God, whose fault is it? Why did this happen? Is it because of his, is it his fault? Did he sin? Did his parents sin that this happened to him? Sometimes the answer to earthly suffering cannot be found in earthly reasons. And this is the beginning of, the, of that lesson that Jesus is trying to teach the first disciples. And these disciples are like us. We are like those disciples. We ask the same kind of questions, don't we? When we face difficult circumstances. Lord, why? Why are we walking through this 18-month journey? Why are we going through this in our society? Why is this happening why have we not gotten over this yet? Why, why is COVID still raging? Why is there a variant? Why might there be another variant coming down the road? And we ask these questions. And we look for earthly answers to earthly problems. And that's good, right? It's good that we would wrestle with those things. But, but God is always after us understanding the greater kingdom realities. And we, we ask those same kind of questions, when, when, especially when we see children suffer. When we see what we would call innocent people suffer. Those are things we work with. Those are things that we wrestle with. What was the disciples' perspective concerning the suffering of this man who was blind since birth? Isn't that an interesting question that they asked? They said, who sinned? Why would they ask that? If you look at a, at a child that's born blind, you look at somebody that's suffering in their life, what, you wouldn't think to yourself, we wouldn't think to ourselves, they must have sinned. Would you? That's not normal for us. But the reason they asked the question who sinned was that this was a common belief in ancient Israel, in ancient Judaism. It was a common belief, and they even had a belief that whenever... There was deformities, like a, a, a blindness at birth, or any type of other deformity that a person had when they came out of the womb, that they literally believed that there was sin within the womb. Pre-delivery, that there was somehow a sin that this child committed to be born that way. And, that it, and if that wasn't the case, then it was because of their parents' sin. So this was a common question that they would have asked during that time. Jesus wasn't shocked by the question. We're shocked by the question. It doesn't make sense to us. Of course, a child born blind didn't sin. That's not why he, was born, he or she was born blind or crippled or lame. This kind of suffering had to be, in their mind, it had to be because someone sinned. That's their thinking. It had to be earthly thinking. This has to have happened because someone sinned. The disciples were thinking, who sinned? The guy was born blind. What, what was his sin? It, it, it cannot just have happened. It was either his sin or his parents. Where else do we see this mindset in Scripture? This mindset that these disciples have. You guys ever read the book of Job? You remember Job? Job. Job lost his health, his wealth, his kids, his cattle, his land. All God left him with was his wife who said, curse God and die, Job. 
And, these, these, and then he had these so-called friends. And what did the so-called friends say to Job? Job, you're supposed to be blameless. You're clearly not blameless. Because if you were blameless, none of this would have happened to you. This is that mindset. It, when we suffer and we don't understand it, it must be because someone sinned. We have an earthly perspective surrounding earthly suffering. The truth is this, though. Here's, so here's the other side of the truth. The truth, the biblical truth is this, that people do suffer in life because of their sin. We do suffer in our life because of our sin. Look at Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Sin always corrupts. And left unchecked, it corrupts absolutely and brings earthly consequences as well as eternal ones. And this is what the disciples are getting at. They're looking at this earthly suffering through the life of sin. And that's their only way to understand people who suffer innocently in their mind. It must be because of sin. Now we know ultimately in the big picture of of our world, biblical worldview, that the reason we suffer in this life is, is because this world is broken because of sin. This world's broken. This is why children can be born blind. Children can be born lame. Children can be born with a disease. Uh, This is why we suffer. This is why we get cancer. This is why we have COVID. This is why we go through hurricanes and tornadoes and natural disasters. Because we are broken and the world is broken. Romans chapter 8 tells us that because of the curse of sin. But they're specifically asking, did they sin And now they're suffering. Not the curse of sin of humanity that we're under, but did they sin? That's their question. So Jesus' answer was not what the disciples expected or would have wanted. How, How do I know that? Because the answer we read in this text is not one that I would have wanted. Or I know it would be one that you would have wanted. So this disciple here today is the same type of disciple as the early disciples. We look at the early disciples and we think they're clueless and idiotic. We would have been the same way. We would have been the same way looking for an earthly king. And he talked in mysteries often. He had to explain to his disciples over and over again, do you get the point? He gives them this answer and even somewhat of a riddle to his answer. What was his answer? Who sinned, Jesus? John 9, 3, Jesus answered, it was not this man who sinned or his parents. I can hear the disciples. What? What? Jesus? That clears it up for me. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. That really helps me out, Lord. Rabbi, that helps me out. How's that possible? It doesn't make sense to me. I can hear them thinking that and saying that. It doesn't make sense to me. There, there has to be a logical reason as to why this man was born blind. And the reason the disciples were asking this question, the reason they thought this in the first place was because they needed a category to put this suffering in. When we go through suffering in our life like this and we go through earthly realities that are difficult, we like to have categories to put it in. And there's two main categories we like to put it in. And this is what they would have been thinking, Lord, here's the only two options, not that third option you gave us. We don't like that third option. The only options we have is that he sinned or his parents. Which one? Which one, Lord? What does he say? Neither. 
neither. This doesn't fit in your categories. Sometimes earthly suffering cannot be figured out through earthly realities. He says neither. What was the fullness of his answer? Here's the real reason why. John, John 9, 3. But that the works of God might be displayed in him. I'm going to say that another time. I'm going to read it slower. Jesus, who sinned, that this man was born blind? Him or his parents? Neither. It wasn't him or his parents. But that the works of God might be displayed in him. How do you like that answer? I don't. Can you hear the disciples' thoughts? Can you hear them? You can't? I can. You know why I can? Because this disciple has the same thoughts. Wait a minute, Lord. You can't give me that answer. That doesn't compute with my earthly thinking. I have only two categories for this kind of suffering. What, what does your glory have to do with anything in this? Jesus is trying to shift these disciples from evaluating life through an earthly lens. He's wanting them to see a greater reality. And the same is true, if it's true for the first disciples, it's true for 21st century disciples, is it not? The Bible and the truths of God's word as revealed in scripture, they're relevant to us today. We may not be wrestling with a a man born blind, but we're, we're wrestling with a lot of different things, aren't we? We're, 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 we're wrestling with cancer. We're wrestling with COVID. We're wrestling with, 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 with many various different trials with which we walk through. We need to understand heavenly kingdom realities. How often do we struggle with the same thing? I mean, look at our world around us today. What's, what's your perspective? What do you see? What do you see when you see the world? could do word word association here today let's talk about it right what do you see when you see the world and broken chaos pain fear anxiety worry lost yeah we need heavenly eyes we must transition We must have our Lord transition our thinking from how these first disciples are thinking. They're only thinking from an earthly perspective about how this situation could ever be good or why it's happening in the first place. And we need the same shift in our thinking. We need to understand why is this happening and what is God doing? Jesus is about to shift the whole point of this section. He's about to give a riddle. This is just like Jesus. They ask a question, a difficult question. It's not easy to answer then or now. And he says, what you were thinking is not true. It's not any of those reasons. And now I'm about to tell you something that's going to be even more confusing. And this leads us to the next truth that Jesus wants us to understand, wants them to understand, wanted them to understand, and wants us to understand now. The second truth is this, is that the work of the kingdom must be done during the day. Jesus becomes like a Yoda here. 
he becomes Yoda. He says, look back at the text. He says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. And then he says, the night's coming when no one's going to be able to work. Can you imagine the disciples sitting there thinking, okay, day, night, man born blind, God's glory. Lord, we're so confused. What is he trying to get them to understand? He says, the work of the kingdom must be done during the day. This is the point. This is the urgency with which he's trying to get his disciples to have. He's continually pointing his disciples. When he walked with them for over three years, he's pointing them to the work of the kingdom. The kingdom of God has come. I must be about my father's business over and over again. He's trying to shift the disciples from Thinking earthly to thinking heavenly. To understanding that, that, that what you see right here and right now in front of you is not the bigger or the greater or most important reality. There's something greater and bigger that I'm about that will impact earthly realities. But all you see right now is what's in front of you. This is what he tried to continually get them to see. Jesus in Luke 17, I, I love what Jesus says here. The Pharisees were, were, were asking him, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. Jesus answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Jesus looked at him, said, you want to know where the kingdom is? Look right here. This is the urgency that Jesus lived with. Have you ever had a sense of urgency and the people with you didn't share the same feelings? This is the disciples. This, he's using this story. Yes, it's a hard question. But he's trying to shift their focus to think about something greater. The disciples were busy trying to figure out an earthly conundrum. They were busy trying to tie up all the loose ends in their thinking. Jesus is teaching them that the glory of God in the earth is why he came. Jesus is obviously not saying that the work of the kingdom must be done during daylight. Though I think healing a blind man was good to do during the day and then instead of at night, right? From a practical standpoint, that would make sense. Heal a blind man at, during the day and not at night. But that's not what he's talking about literal day and night. He's talking about their life. He's talking about their life. He's speaking to the reality that now is the time for kingdom work. Yes, you have your questions. And there's some questions you won't get answers to. There's some earthly questions that don't, some earthly suffering that has, that don't, that, that does not have earthly answers that you'll find. He's saying, you gotta work while the, while it's day. Work the kingdom work while it's day. Work while you have breath. The disciples are coming to Jesus with a theological question about earthly realities. And Jesus answers their theological conundrum by saying, that's what you are concerned with. To figure out how all this works out. My concern is the glory of my father. And the quicker you can understand that, the quicker you can get to work. Have you read John 9 before? You ever, you, ever, you ever seen verse 3 and 4 and think, why is he talking about working during the day and the night and not working at night? 
He's challenging our thinking. He's saying, trust me with the unanswerable questions. Look, they're trying to figure out this virus. They don't know. You want to know why? There's an answer today. And there's a new answer tomorrow. And the week after that, you want to know why? And the media is accusing them of lying. I think there might be some deception somewhere. But I also think the greater reality is they don't know. They don't know. It's an earth reality that they don't have an answer for. He's saying, Jesus is saying to those disciples in the first century and to us as disciples, trust me with the unanswerable questions. Trust me with that diagnosis. Trust me with why it happened or how we're going to get through it or, or the answers. Trust me with those unanswerable questions and work while it is day. God will get the glory through the life of his children who trust him in the middle of unimaginable circumstances. Let me say it again. God will get the glory through the life of his children who trust him in the middle of unimaginable circumstances. I, 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 yes, I know. I know some of your stories. And I know what you have walked through. Some of you, I don't know your stories and I don't know what you're walking through. But I, I look at the life of faith of those that have walked through difficult circumstances in your life. And God will get the glory whenever we learn the lesson from John 9 that Jesus was trying to teach those early disciples. Why was he born blind? I don't know. I don't know why that's, those things happen. But when we trust him with those questions and we say, Lord, there's some things this side of heaven I will never fully get and understand, but I'm going to trust you that you're good in the middle of it. I'm going to put my faith in you, not in what I see. And I'm going to believe that through my life that the kingdom of God will be advanced and will be pushed forward because I trust you fully in all of these circumstances. He's saying, trust me. We must learn that the greater reality supersedes the present reality. The greater reality of the kingdom of God supersedes the present reality. I want to say something difficult. You guys ready? When you have no hope for eternity, when you have no hope for eternity, and this life is your only life, then you approach these subjects different than those who don't have hope, than those who do have hope. You guys follow that? When you don't have hope for eternity and this is your only reality and your only life, then you approach the circumstances we're walking through different than those who do have hope. 
You understand what I'm trying to say? My life could be gone tomorrow from a virus or from turning left on Martin Luther King. true but the word says to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord covid could take me covid could take me it could but it's going to be something next week and the next month and the year after that and the year after that. Jesus is trying to take earthbound disciples and help them to see a heavenly perspective. This is what anchors us. So don't put words in my mouth that I'm saying something that I'm not. You fill in the gaps of all the things that you want to fill in. We need to be safe. We need to be smart. We need to be wise. Do as the Lord leads you to do. But nothing in this world can take the assurance of our salvation and our heavenly home from us. And this is what Jesus is trying to get these disciples to see. Work while it's day. Work while it is day. The kingdom still must be advanced because those that are dying of the virus that don't know the Lord, where are they going? Do we believe our Bible? Where are they going? They're going to hell. They're going to be eternally separated from their creator. The work must continue. I love that next section of the text. So, so, so we just read. It says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Look, look back at the text. Notice what he says there. He says, we, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Notice what Jesus said there. He didn't say, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. What did he say? We. Isn't that good news? That means he's including us in his kingdom work. He's saying, he's saying, brothers, you're hung up on these earthly realities. Look what I'm welcoming you into. I'm welcoming you into my work, to the work of my father that he's given me to work. We must work the works of my father who sent me while it is day. And that's so good. God wants to use us. God wants to use us to work while it is day. You remember the parable of the talents? Jesus tells a parable, says the kingdom of heaven is like this and three different servants. One he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another he gave one. And the one that had five, the one who had two, they were faithful. They, they took what God had given them and they were faithful to obey the Lord in what God gave them. But the one who gave one, two, what did, that, what did the, the one that got one talent, what did he do? He buried it, a fear that he might lose Look what Jesus says. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. He had received five talents, came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered unto me five talents. Here, I've made five talents more. He, and the master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter to the joy of your master. He also had the two, who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you, de- you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I'll set you over much. He also who had received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you, you, you can have what's yours. I didn't lose anything, but you can have it back. 
But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I had not sown and gather where I, I scattered the seed, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers at, and at my coming I would have received what was, my, what was mine with interest. So my question to, to all of us here today, what has God entrusted to you to work with during the day? What has he given you? What influence has he given you in your life in the middle of this time? Our world needs the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ more now than ever. Our, our, look, we are part of a kingdom that will not be shaken. And the world is in this spin cycle right now. And they need us to be beacons of light in the middle of that spin cycle. That they look at us and the world's gone mad. And here we are standing solid on the rock of Christ Jesus. And our faith is unmovable and unshakable. And they ask us for a reason for the hope that's in us. And we give them an answer. You want to know why? It's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. It's because the world can take my life. But they can't take. They can't take what's most important, which is my relationship with Christ. Just as the disciples in John 9 stumbled over earthly realities, we too can fall into the same struggle. We need the Lord to remind us that he will take care of getting glory through difficult circumstances. We simply are responsible to obey the Lord and to work while it is day. To work at advancing the kingdom while it is day. Apostle Paul says it like this in Ephesians 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. Doing what? Making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. So here's what I'd say. Because the days are evil, it is still day. And the days are evil. But the night is coming. The night is coming. That's the next truth that Jesus wants to tell his disciples. The night is coming when no one can work. Work while it is day. And then he says, the night is coming when no one can work. Look at the text there. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. I believe there's two realities at play here. One is that night coming means that we only have one life to live. That we have been given light. We've been given day. We've been given breath. But night is coming. But I believe it, it, it also means this reality that Jesus knows that the darkness was working to silence him. That's the other reality. He knows that the darkness is working to silence him. This is why he had an urgency to spread the message of the kingdom because he knew that the darkness was trying to silence him and to eventually try and to stop his work. With both of these realities at work in our life, we must live with an urgency for the work of the Lord that he's called us to. One life to live, one gospel to preach. One life to live, one gospel to preach. Yes, yes, there is a night coming when this mouth's going to be closed. And I'm not going to be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because my time on earth is done. But I want to challenge you with this reality. There, that there, there is a day coming when the darkness is going to continue to grow in this country. And evil men motivated by evil spirits are going to, are going to try to silence the church. We must have an urgency. 
Do you see it? I just want to tell you, it's there. It's coming. It's coming. You see the seeds of it everywhere. We've been seeing it for decades, building and building and building. And on March 13th, 2020, when the news came down of what was happening and the shutdowns and the lockdowns, I, was, I thought I was living a reality, the reality of a science fiction novel. And then I began to see, begin to recognize, oh, this is, the, this is how it, you see it in the book of Revelation. This is how you see the enemy is going to work. This is how an entire society can be changed in a moment. And the message that we preach in the middle of this society is not a message anyone wants to hear that doesn't belong to Christ. Work while it is day because the night is coming. The darkness is going to increase. This is what Jesus promised us. Men are going to wax worse and worse, more and more sinful. And we must work while it is day. We must have an urgency. We cannot be sucked into the sway of the culture, the sway of the enemy to be silenced, to be silenced. No, we must not be silenced in this time. Now's the time to be the city on the hill, to be the light. We can't put a bushel over the light. We've got to be the salt of the earth. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. As we see the darkness increase in our world, we must live with more urgency and not less. What is the strategy of the enemy for God's people? This is what I see today. I see it. I see it in his church. Churches across this nation. This is his strategy for God's people. To divide, to conquer, to distract, and to silence. To divide, to conquer, to distract, and to silence. And in, on many fronts, the enemy is succeeding. In a lot of ways, on a, on a lot of fronts, the enemy is winning by silencing the only message, the only message that can really bring hope to anybody in this world, and he gets churches off of the gospel message. We're living in a time, in times that are stretching us and dividing us and causing weariness and distraction and fear, but now is not the time to retreat. It's not the time to retreat. We need to be even more bold. Amen? Amen? Are you with me? Are you awake? I, I can't hear you from the online. Comment on Facebook or YouTube or something. Now's not the time to retreat. Look, look, I believe the Bible. I believe the scriptures. You believe them too? Like our church is going to advance, not because of anything that we do to be cute and creative, but it's going to advance because we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only message that has the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And so we must not shrink back, must not retreat or quit. Just as these disciples in John 9 were stuck on trying to figure out why, we can easily find ourselves in that same place. And we need the same Answer from our Lord that he gave his disciples in John 9. And here was his answer. It's about my glory. 
It's about my glory. Do you see it? It's about my glory. We still have daylight. The night's coming, but while we have time, let's get to work. This was Jesus' answer to the theological conundrum, to trying to figure out why. He says, it's about my glory. Do you see it? As dark as it gets, as hard as it gets, it's about the glory of God shining in the midst of the darkness. Jesus says, let's get to work. The conclusion of this story, we're going to wrap up here, is one of the most profound conclusions. I love this section. This is so amazing. Let's look at the conclusion of this account and see how Jesus gives his final lesson to his disciples. John 9, 6, and 7, having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and he came back seeing. It's healed. It's a miracle. The formerly blind man was then brought to the Pharisees to testify about what had happened. You know what's interesting? The man was born blind. The Pharisees would have known this man. They would have known him. They would have known his struggle. He was blind since birth. And when he gets there, instead of celebrating, you know what they were worried about? When did Jesus heal heal you? What's today? It's the Sabbath. It's the Sabbath. They were more concerned about Jesus breaking the law concerning Sabbath than they were about this man who was born blind since birth that is healed. The Pharisees argued with the man and then with his parents and that Jesus could not be from God because he broke the law doing this miracle. You can't be from God if you broke the law, our law, doing this miracle. Listen to the former blind man's answer to that accusation. Some of the most amazing sections in all of the, the New Testament. Listen to this former blind man answer this accusation about Jesus. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner, speaking of Jesus. He answered, whether he is a sinner, I, I do not know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He, and the man answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want also to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God's spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, the the former blind man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. That's how he said it. (laughs) I think that's how he said it. This is an amazing thing. You don't know where he came from, but he opened my eyes. I lost my place. <laughs> 31. We know that God does not listen. Listen, now he starts, he starts preaching to the Pharisees. He gets theological with them. We know that God does not listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin. You hear the disciples' question? And would you teach us? 
and they cast him out. It's amazing. It's amazing. Jesus hears that they cast the man out of the temple, and now we finally reach the point of this whole account. Now the disciples get their final lesson. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You've seen him. It's so good, you have seen him. And it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. You bet it. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. Interesting. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. That's it. That's the point. You want to understand Jesus' riddle there? This is what he's saying. The blind, this is why he came. The blind seeing clearly who Jesus is. And the seeing, the Pharisees, the seeing, those who are actually blind, spiritually, coming to understand their true condition. All for the glory of God. That's why Christ came. Just like these first disciples of Jesus, I don't understand why things happen the way they do. Just like these first disciples, I have questions. But just like these first disciples, I need my Lord to point me back to the greater reality. To point me back to the most important truth. And what is that truth? Blind people need to see. Because blind people don't know that they are under the judgment of God unless they repent. Spiritually blind people need to see. And they need to see because they don't know they're under the judgment of God unless they repent. And we need our Lord today to remind us of this greater reality. Do you believe that? Work while it is day. The darkness is here. The darkness is going to increase. We need our Lord to remind us of a sense of urgency. We need the same urgency that he has. We also need to be reminded of this greater reality. Matthew 16, Simon Peter replied to Jesus' question, who do men say that I am? Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen? No matter how dark the circumstances, how unanswerable the questions, how difficult it looks in our world today, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But the church must be ready to work during the day. Work while it is day. The night is coming. But you know what the greater truth is? The greater reality? The darkness cannot overcome the light. Amen. Amen. Well, that's what I came to preach to you. It's 11 a.m. I'm done. Amen. Work while it is day. Can I, can, can I pray for us? Lord, I pray that we would learn the lessons that you were teaching your first disciples in John 9. I pray that we would learn those lessons, that we would we would not 
become so divided and distracted and we would not be be lulled to sleep by the enemy, but that we would we would see the greater realities of the kingdom as superseding the earthly realities that we struggle with. And I pray that we as a church, as individual Christians that make up this church, I pray that we would live on mission as Christ lived on mission. Wherever he went, he lived on mission. I pray that we would live on that same mission. That we would be beacons of light in the middle of this culture, in the middle of this world that's looking for answers. Let us be the light of the world. May the bushel never, may we never allow the bushel to be put on top of us, but may we always shine because we know that darkness cannot overcome the light of Christ. Thank you for your people, Lord. Bless them today. Strengthen them. Encourage them as they leave out here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I love you. I'll see you next week.